0: I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the Acts of the Apostles. Our focus today is on the ninth chapter. A reading from the first through the 20th verse. Relatively speaking, it's a long passage, but today is a good day for us to use our Bibles a little bit more. It's a significant passage because this passage talks about the conversion of Saul, one who persecuted the church, one who was on a different road and God turned him around. So I think it's worthy to spend a little time with this text, since many of us, too, need to be turned around. And so it's my prayer that as we look at what God did with this one, I think Paul's story is unique because he wasn't just kind of messing up, but he was messing up with a passion. And then we might be able to discover what God would then be saying to us. Now, this doesn't have anything to do with messing up, but on yesterday, I had the wonderful opportunity and the blessing of spending some time with the Ike family at their home in the metropolis of Hiram, Georgia. And... I was sharing with the family what I noticed and I'm thinking about, uh, still really thinking about our subject today. But what I experienced was the love of God in that home. I experienced family in a refreshing way. I experienced community and godly leadership and love and I thought about it I said what would it be like if we left today and we all felt like that like connected family like loving family because see Y'all know where Miami is, don't you? It's a lot of love to drive every weekend from Miami to check on your family to Atlanta every weekend, to get in your van in Miami and drive to Atlanta to make sure everybody's okay. So I experienced that kind of family, and it was inspiring. Now, I know that when I began to tell you Details like that, that some of you get ready to take your invitation off the table. As I said, you know, I want an invitation to come to the house and say, oh, he talked too much after he come to your house. Uh, Sister Iki, she saw me taking pictures. She said, I know you're going to be taking pictures of stuff now. But I, I take pictures because I want to remember uh, the experience. Acts chapter nine, beginning with the first verse. As I read the text, I want you to listen for the Word of God. I'll be reading it from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, Paul... Is getting ready to go up into church. It's like he's gonna come into Ratcliffe today and just start dragging people out. And he wanted a letter from the bishop so that he could do it. And he had all of the information he needed. But as he was going along and approaching Damascus, y'all heard about the famous Damascus Road as he was going down that road to Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed and all around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Do you hear that voice sometimes? You see, because in our disobedience, We persecute Jesus afresh. Mm -hmm. Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. Now, he already had a mission, but Jesus is changing it up. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice, but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. Though he had an advanced degree from Spelman, she could see nothing. Though he had gone to all of his classes at Morris Brown. He could see nothing, though he had an advanced degree from Emory. He could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. He answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street, call straight. Now, the Bible knows got that thing lined up. Go to the street, call straight. It's going to straighten this thing. Go to the street, call straight. Amen. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this very moment, he is praying. And that surprised me because I said Saul was breathing murderous threats. He's getting ready to drag people out of church. So that means that some people come to church praying, but they're still doing the wrong thing. Everybody that's praying is not serving Jesus. Everybody that's preaching don't necessarily care nothing about the Lord. I was surprised that on Straight Street, he was told that this person was going to be praying. He's praying at the very moment I'm talking to you. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias. He's seen you come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I, I heard about this man. This man dragging folks out of church. I'm not going to deal with him. How much evil that he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. I'm not getting ready to go laying hands on him. But the Lord said to him, to Ananias, go. For he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I said, that's good news because God can just pick somebody that you say, that person is just full of, you know. <laughs> and that God can transform them and, and, and they can have a conversion experience and God can use that very person as an instrument. an instrument like that beautiful French horn we heard this morning, playing melodious music for the Lord. Verse 16, "I, I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house he laid his hands that's obedience now he he laid his hands on Saul and said brother Saul the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit sometimes the Lord will send somebody to you someone you least expect someone that may not be Presbyterian And they might lay hands on you. They they might be Jewish. They might be Muslim. But God will send them to put their hands on you. Because you and they will be an instrument of God. But I want to focus on this 15th and 16th verse today. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. I want to use as a subject today, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I used to go to church and I see those sisters, they had those hats on. They had, we got a few hats. We ain't got the hats like used to be at the church where I was. They had those big hats on and, and something be going on. They say, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> you see, it's a common phrase in the Bible and in the Christian community to say, in the name of Jesus. But what what does the name mean? What, what does it mean to say in the name of Jesus I looked it up you can google it you know and and it says that Yeshua or Yahweh saves that that the name means that that Yahweh that God saves but is it a magic incantation that that makes things happen uh, that would not otherwise happen unless you say these particular words in other words can you just walk out of the church and said, I, I need me a brand new BMW in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've heard preachers say, you could just name it and claim it. All you gotta do is just say in the name of Jesus. And, 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 and then I, I, I started looking at the text. I said, what, what does the Bible say? And, and, and then I, I came across the Gospel of John, this is for your notes, for your notes. Uh, Jesus instructs us in John to ask for anything in my name and I will do it. I want a new Leah jet in the name of Jesus. In Matthew 24, Jesus says, beware. as a warning, beware that no one leads you astray for many will come in my name saying I am the Messiah and they will lead many astray. Many will come in my name and saying I'm the preacher. Many will come in my name and say, I'm the bishop. Many will come in my name and they will lead many astray. Amen. And then he warns again in Matthew seven twenty one: not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Yes, but this footnote, but, but only the one who does the will of my father in heaven. In the name of Jesus. My father, Andrew Lee Stevens Sr. taught me to be a man of honor. He said that in the end, all you have is your name. So as I continued to look at this issue of names and calling on the name of Jesus, I came across this story. You may want to take a note of it. It's a funny story. You might tell it at a party sometime. It's in Acts 19, verses 11 through 20. Acts 19, 11 through 20. It's the story about the sons of Sceva. And I'm, I believe that they help us to understand what's really going on with this name thing. The text reads, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. His name has been changed now from Saul to Paul. So that when the handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were brought to the sick, their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. That's why those televangelists be trying to sell you a handkerchief. They say they haven't prayed over it. Y'all know they do that, right? They were reading this text and... And they were, they were thinking that in the name of Jesus was some kind of magic incantation. Verse 13, then some itinerant Jewish exorcist tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. The text tells us in verse 17, seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva we're doing this. But that the evil spirit said to them in reply, Now, Jesus, I know. And, and Paul, I know. But who are you? And then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered them all, and so overpowered them that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Apparently, The power of the resurrected Savior is not invoked simply by calling out a name. Even if that name is the name that the Bible says is above every other name, the the name that causes even knees to bow in in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that even though the Bible tells us that there's power in the name, we misunderstand it is not about just calling it out. It's really more than just naming it and claiming it. It's it's more than announcing that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's more than saying I'm a fourth generation Presbyterian. It's, It's more than that. In our text today, Saul was previously been a persecutor, has now been arrested along the road, and his conversion has begun. But I want to suggest today That as we observe Saul's conversion, we can learn what is necessary. That's our goal. Learn what is necessary for our own conversion. So that we can invoke the name of Jesus with power and authority. To overcome whatever the obstacles are in our own lives. I I want us to be able to leave today. And say I. Heal in the name of Jesus. I want some teachers to go in the classroom and say, learn in the name of Jesus. I want some choir members to say, sing in the name of Jesus and have some power. I I don't want it to be like a magic incantation. I want it to to really have some power to it. I, I, I want people to be able to recognize that when we baptize this baby today and we do it in the name of Jesus, that this life is transformed and blessed. So when I look at Paul's conversion, the first thing we learn so that we can call on the name of jesus with power is that you need to know him yes. see you can't just that's what happened to the to those exorcists they were saying in the, in the name of the jesus that paul preaches because he didn't know him okay. and so the first thing is you got to know him and you can get to know him through study. You, you can't call on the name of Jesus if you don't know Jesus. You have to pray, you have to study, you, you have to experience biblical preaching and instruction. You, you have to spend time with those who know Jesus. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus learning more about the one who had blinded him along the road. Yes. When we don't come to know Jesus, we don't come to know Jesus by our own effort alone. Others help us. The Holy Spirit helps us. God has sent Ananias to lay hands on Saul. So the first thing, that if you want to call on his name, you got to get to know him. you got to spend some time with him. you got to spend some time in prayer. You've got to spend some time reading the scripture. you got to spend some time in the community of faith greeting one another and loving one another and fellowshipping with one another you got to spend time with jesus to know him but the second thing we learn from paul's conversion is that you have to be willing to follow him now to know him doesn't necessarily mean you're going to follow him in saul's case jesus got his attention in a pretty dramatic way he he just stopped him he he blinded him he he put him in a place where he had to follow but then after he went and received the instructions in Damascus from the disciples he got excited about it It said in the text for several days he was with the disciples in Damascus and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue saying he is the son of God All who heard him were amazed and said, is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem among those who invoked this name? And now he's preaching in the name. I'm suggesting that once you know what Jesus is about, once you know the cost of discipleship, you have to be willing to be obedient in order to do things in his name. Finally, sisters and brothers, we learned that calling on the name of Jesus with power, and this is probably the most difficult thing, it requires sacrifice. In our text, Jesus says, I will show him, Saul, how much he must suffer for my name. This, this journey is not an, a journey without sacrifice. It means you got to give up some stuff. Yeah. Sacrifice, you see, looks different for all of us. It's not the same sacrifice. See, some people, the fast is not a major sacrifice. Some people have more challenge about not being able to look at their favorite TV show. Some people have to sacrifice their desire for money because they recognize that they've been called to be obedient and give the tithe. Some people have to sacrifice some relationship that they love dearly. They say, pastor, that's my cousin. Them. No, but they have to sacrifice because that person is not walking in the direction they need to be walking in. That, that person is always too busy to go worship. It requires sacrifice. So what we do in the name of Jesus reflects the character, person, and priorities of Jesus. That's, what the writer is talking about when it says what would Jesus do so we have to begin to do what Jesus does in order to call on the name of Jesus so when you ask for anything in his name you ask for it as a person who lives with his identity with his character with his priorities now what you ask for is the same thing that he would be asking for it's not contrary to his will because you're walking in his will. We come to know him through study and prayer and worship. We we obey him and we sacrifice, and then we can call on the name of Jesus. Ratcliffe, we got some demons that need to be cast out in the name of Jesus in the church. We we have some demons in, within ourselves and within our homes that need to be cast out in the name of Jesus. There are some who need healing among us in the name of Jesus. If if you would just begin to walk with him and spend time praying and and loving God and giving God your whole heart and, and not paying attention to other people and trying to critique what they're doing and what they look like and what they're wearing, you could be walking with Jesus and you could be saying, in the name of Jesus, and you could be healed. I want to suggest to you that there's power in that name but you've got to come to know him you've got to walk in obedience and repentance and you have to sacrifice everything that would separate you from him the doors of the church open